When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. <laughs> oh, just the jankiest. Welcome to the first ever quarantine cast oh, brought to you by Corridor Digital. Um, I've got here with me Nico. Hi, everybody. I've got Ren. Oh, hello there. And we've got Christian via audio only loop because his camera was breaking right before we started to film this. But here we all are. What's Christian, up, y'all? There? What's up, y'all? He's there. What up, Christian? Yeah. Christian happens to be and... using a really nice microphone too, so he sounds like he's actually in a podcast studio. Yeah. <laughs> what, what mic did you, did you get? One of those Shures? Those no, SM7Bs? Like, no, it's like a Marantz all-in-one camera and mic tower thing. Oh. Uh, so it's nice. all built into one thing, but yeah, the camera's freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so so we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna do home. this. Uh, yeah, welcome home, boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You guys been good uh, in self isolation? Day six of quarantine. Is yep. it day six already? Yeah. Yeah. If you wow. hear a baby in the background, it's bye bye. Because Milo Wait, doesn't. No, today would be day seven. No, we started quarantine no. on Wednesday, so we have one more day. Yeah, Tomorrow's so our day today's seven. Tuesday. So it's only five. Are you an index zero I mean, or an index you count one? Count the weekend, I guess. So seven. Seven counting the weekend. See, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm working more. Do you guys feel like that? Yeah, I'm with you, Jake. It's harder sure. to like put, invest myself into like the right mentality to get work done sometimes. Okay, so you're one of those. Because <laughs> I hear a baby in the background. <laughs> I, I immediately discover that there's two kinds of people when it comes to working from home uh, so far this week. Mm-hmm. There's the people who are like, it's harder for me to get stuff done because I need that physical space that I go to that I'm used to doing work at. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the people that are like, no, I get more done now because i never leave work it's yeah. always with me clint's one of those guys who's getting more done now than if he was at the studio because he's like he likes to zen out and like put on his like ambient music and like get really invested into something so yeah 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 i'd say i'm a mix because um i still need that place to work so we actually have like this separated wall that opens up in my den so i do have like my office still that i can go and just plug in but it's mm. at my house and then obviously mm. step into the living room and kind of get that break it's nice and see kelsey and stuff yeah so my desk is for me. in my living room oh, okay so you're oh, in the oh, i recognize where it is now oh, oh you're up in the that's where yeah. we did the tactical <laughs> reloads or tactic tech two cool reloads yeah and darth santa and darth santa i remember if you guys don't recognize it from tactical do you recognize it now <laughs> <laughs> you got a nice little battle station set up there they got those rgb keyboards to make you type fast yeah, I actually just picked that one up. I got that. <laughs> uh, it's wireless, too. Nice. Oh, really? That's wow. Fun. Wireless mouse, too, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's the only way to go. Yeah. Um. Wow. So, Ren, what, ty- what type of person are you? Are you getting more or less done? Uh, Right now, certainly a lot less. <laughs> I am not adjusting well. <laughs> <laughs> You just keep staring in the background at that one wheel behind you. Just <laughs> about it. Just no, like... I had to like 
it took a lot of effort to like kind of like clean out my spot here uh and get like i had to go get my work computer because my my home computer just wasn't cutting it and then setting all that up took a long time so yeah it's yeah. uh it's been a little hard for me to adjust but i'm at a point now where i'm i'm back up to 100 percent productivity yeah cool um i'm actually really impressed at how fast everyone sort of figured out their own modus operandi Mm-hmm. I expected it to take a lot longer, I'll be honest. Um, but I feel like we only lost, like, I don't know, maybe a day of work or so. I'd make it like two and a half, but either way, we. The I mean, I don't know. We <laughs> still have a lot of videos. I know. We still, we're still putting out stuff. I feel like <laughs> we're like, getting it all done. Yeah. Delivering cuts. You know, um, yeah, I we think. still uh, have yet to miss a single Saturday. Of a React episode That's in the true. almost year that we've been doing it, even in spite of a pandemic forcing us into our own homes. Speaking of which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, about yeah. that, about yeah. that, can we talk about why we're all doing this in the first place? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how everybody's reacting to it differently across the country. Because right now in New York, you have five percent of the entire world's cases uh, in the, in New York right now of COVID nineteen, and I, part of it I think is because they've actually been actively testing everybody, um, so they have actually a pretty good handle on everyone who actually has it. A good rule of thumb. It, so if you're looking at numbers, you're right. Um, a good rule of thumb is that the death rate is one percent of the infection rate. And realistically. It's probably even a little bit lower than one percent. But if somebody reports having a hundred deaths and they only have a thousand cases, that tells you that there's actually nine thousand undocumented cases running around. <laughs> you know, um, so that's like one of the things. Like you'll see states that report like, "Oh, we have fifty deaths and we only have a thousand documented cases," and that's a sign that there are so many thousands of people that have coronavirus that haven't been tested in those states. Um, so I yeah. think how many how many people do you think that is like just 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 rough guess based on what you've seen so far like how many people have it have it and have been documented and recorded as having it versus so, how many people actually have it so right now in the united states there's 53,000 documented cases and there's 684 deaths uh, now granted those cases haven't necessarily run their course but overall in the united states total we're, we're we're getting closer and closer. Like if you just go by the numbers, we should probably be at about 75,000 cases for 684 deaths, if not more cases. Um, you know, like, so if you look at New York, they have 25,600 cases as of this moment and 210 total deaths. So they're at about that 1% that we are talking about. But if you look at, I'm on worldometers.com. Or dot info. There's 650 people that have died, and there's and we're estimating there's 75,000 cases. Yeah, I'd say in the you, United States. You're talking about 0.85 percent. Yes, mortality rate is the death toll. Gotcha. Still, that's, that's number. higher than the flu. It's way higher. The flu is below 0.1 percent. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I guess the flu's been around for so long that we've got pretty good information on that. Yeah. Also, uh, the doubling rates is every two days. Yes. Roughly. Like, almost exactly. Every infected so, person with COVID-19 on average infects two and a half more people right now. And as long as that number stays above one, you will continuously see an exponential growth. Um, but real quick, Michigan, for example, has 1,700 documented cases. Um, and they have total deaths of 24. 
So they're actually, they're a little bit underreporting, but uh, Washington, Washington's a big one. So Washington right now only has 2,000 documented cases and 110 deaths. So what does that tell you about how many cases are actually in Washington right now? You know? Yeah, there's got to be way more. Yeah, and that's just because we haven't ramped up testing. But already people aren't taking it seriously. Like you go out in Hunter Street and like half the businesses still have people coming and going. And it's just like, uh, it's worrying. It's really worrying. It seems like, you know, this this whole discussion of liberty, right? Like we are a free country. We don't have a dictator that can just come and tell everybody to stay in their house. But with that privilege of that freedom and that self, I guess, responsibility comes with comes that comes with the responsibility of being informed and making the right call at the right time. And so many people have shuffled off that responsibility of being informed and, you know, having some sense of civic duty and just have entirely invested themselves in like, well, whatever, it's not going to affect me. So I'm going to go do whatever I want. And I just I, I personally find that very, very frustrating. Um, and I know there's a balance between like you know, the economic impact of this versus, like, the, the death toll. But right now, when you're in, like, the first week or two weeks of this, it's like, now's not the time to be like, well, it's just too inconvenient for me. So, I don't know. I, I have yeah. a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> no, I know. You've been thinking about it a lot. And I, I yeah, I don't disagree uh, generally. Um, I, I do think, yeah, there is a... You're right. With that, with that freedom comes the responsibility to know what to do and when to do it, and to keep yourself informed. That's how that's how vibrant democracy works. Um, so there's that. People can't, but you know, mm-hmm. you, there's always going to be the idiots out there who are just like, "Well, it's not going to affect me, so whatever." Um, and that's obviously not the right way to go about it, but. But you're right. There is this looming economic well, storm that has very quickly create, been created from this. Like this has also been a really, state. yeah. This has also been a really interesting case study in denial. You know, it's like every single person in the world right now is coming to terms with this at different rates. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, like some people are looking at the map and accepting it before anyone else has even heard of the virus. Other people are hearing all these studies and or, uh, you know, all the news and whatnot, and they just straight up don't believe it uh, to opposite ends of the spectrum there. And everyone else is within that spectrum somewhere. And, you know, like I have, I have friends who are like, ah, it's not a big deal. Like it'll be, uh, it'll, it's not going to be that big of a thing, but the entire theme of all of this is that it continues to be a bigger thing than everyone guessed it would be. Uh, so it's like, yeah, well, if one, if less than say, say, say the, say the assumption is like 0.75 percent of people that get it die. Mm-hmm. Well, there's 350 million people that live in the United States, so you're talking about 3.2 million people. Which it's is a lot of people. There's, there's <laughs> a very important uh, uh, caveat to that, yeah. and that is the assumption that the healthcare system hasn't collapsed. Yeah, you only hit the 0.7% when you have enough hospital beds and ventilators for people. That's because... with us successfully flattening the curve, as they say. Yeah. If we don't flatten the curve and the, you know, they're starting to have to decide who lives and who dies, more and more people are going to die. It's like... that's, when you, that's when you get to the 3 to 4%, which is happening mm-hmm. in Italy. You know, yeah. it's, that's when 30 year olds and 20 year olds die of pneumonia. Cause if you don't have, if you get pneumonia, that can, that's, that's deadly. We just take it for granted in this day and age. That's something that, oh, you can cure it with some antibiotics and, you know, go to the hospital if you need to. Right. Like 
we've right. totally taken that for granted because we've all honestly been pretty lucky to live in the society that we live in. And then suddenly imagine hospitals disappearing, not just for you, but for everyone. If you get in a car accident, you're screwed. You get a heart attack, you're screwed. You get sick, you're screwed. It, like right. nobody gets to go to the hospital. Like that's what you're yeah. looking at. Yeah, and you can't uh, get those antibiotics and all those things that you need to cure that disease. Exactly. Right. No. Yeah. So it would have it would have this sort of offset of like additional deaths and and associated incidents mm-hmm. that that would cause additional damage. Yeah. If everybody um, gets sick at the same time, if you let it grow exponentially, like if it if you don't like they say flatten the curve. Right. Yeah. So that's also that assuming happen? that like the the doctors and nurses aren't getting sick either. So yeah. it's like. The, the line that we're trying to flatten the curve underneath is also variable in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the so whole how, point of mutation, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> how, does that, how does that happen? How do you, how do you flatten Well, curve? so remember I said on average two and a half people get infected uh, for each person that gets coronavirus? Um, <clears throat> what you need to do is you need to get that value below one. That's how you flatten the curve. So when that value is above one, the, the curve right. becomes sharper and sharper and sharper. And that value is below one, the curve becomes flatter and flatter and flatter. So what we need to have happen is for everybody that gets coronavirus, they need to infect less than one person on average to get that curve to flatten. And the only way for that to happen is for people to stop getting each other sick. (laughs) And you can stop getting each other sick by stopping going out and talking to random people, coughing on random people, shaking hands with random people, giving hugs. No, my favorite activities, coughing (laughs) on strangers. it does is there is the actual here I'm, um I mean, is it, the actual uh problem that people that are showing symptoms aren't staying at home well so that's that's a hard thing is you don't show symptoms for the first like four days to five days that you have this but, but are you in, are you infecting people at that point yes you're yes. you're contagious at that point so you're shedding the virus for those first four to five days to everybody that you're coming more, in contact potentially with. Potentially upwards of 10. That's true. And some people don't show any symptoms. So for the entire run of the infection, <laughs> Milo's freaking out over these facts. <laughs> for, the enti- for the entire run of the infection, you're contagious and you don't even know that you have it. And so yeah. for those 10 days or 14 days, you've just been, bleh, bleh, eh, you know, licking your hands and touching everybody. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So what's the idea behind this uh, kind of two-week period? How does this help stop things because obviously as we get later we have to talk about like how long are people really supposed to stay closed but what is this initial two-week period so that you benefit us yeah take it so the idea is that if you know for a fact if you have a few different controls if for instance if you know that you have not interacted with a single person or a single uh, object outside of your vicinity and you've been in quarantine for 10 days you know for a fact that you are not sick and so all of this, this two-week thing, this three-week uh, thing is just to weed out, to identify everyone who's not sick and is already sick. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just you're trying to find who's already sick so you can, like, laser focus on them to be completely quarantined. And then when, uh, let's say you have a group of friends and every single one of you managed to be in complete uh, isolation, reasonably so, uh, for, you know, 10 days or more, uh, then you know that all of you are not sick and now you can hang out with each other as long as you are not still bringing hanging out with anyone else. It's like, it's, it's a very, it, it becomes a very exclusive club where, you know, if you and your, I can you hear know? you. Sorry. Hear my you. computer just like completely crashed on me for a moment. All right. uh, <laughs> like all my monitors went out. I was like, uh Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it's like, 
uh, if you and your friend have both been uh, in isolation for long enough, you can now hang out with each other because you're you're reasonably reliably not sick. Both okay. of you know that. Mm-hmm. But you have to maintain the social isolation from everyone else still because someone else can still get you sick. That's where it's a little bit of a challenge for me because Jenna could be sick at any moment. Gotcha. Right. So and, and not have it. So if you do have it, you will eventually show symptoms within, after or within that two-week period. Yeah. So there's, no, there's no not feeling symptoms at all, but still having it and contracting. There's, I mean, like half of cases, I, I don't even know the exact number, but uh, most cases are mild. So you might not realize you're showing symptoms, but you are. So that's, that so, that's, so that's the thing. So I'm saying after the two weeks, say I, you know, maybe they're minor and I don't think it's any more than just a slightly runny nose. And, but I don't feel sick at all. Um, but, you know, two weeks is up and, and I'm still feeling fine. I'm then, I mean, yeah, so I guess it, it, you, you this can, two weeks. You yeah, can say I can go, you're not sick. That's not pretty sick, reasonable. But then I guess even past the two-week period, at any point I can get infected and then infect more people. So how, well, not you know, how long can we keep up this quarantine thing or in that kind of stuff, you know, like? Even after the two-week period, how do we continue going on about? Well, it's not like you're going back to normal daily life. That daily life is on hold for a very long time, and that's the unfortunate truth. Uh, You know, we're we like if if everyone, uh, it's like playing the perfect game of telephone. You know, when like you you say information to someone's ear, and then they transfer on that information. (laughs) You go down the line, and if what the person at the end gets, you know, the the thing about that thing is that uh that game never works the end of the line always has something different but assuming you could get something perfect out of that and comparing that to say like everyone in isolation you can now say that you're not sick but you still have to maintain strict discipline of not going out to uh crowded areas you know you still have to be isolated from everyone else gotcha so then so what you're saying is that after this two-week period no one from corridor gets sick or shows symptoms we're good with, and, you know, we say we resume work. We still kind of have to basically keep the social distancing and also trust that each other is not, you know, going to the, all those third-party possibilities of getting infected. And yeah. So yeah. even if we do decide to go back to work after this two-week period and everybody feels clear, we have to basically kill, still keep this limited within our group. Yeah. Go to raves, share drinks, <laughs> go to malls. Yeah. And we have to hope that everybody else does the same thing. (laughs) But actually, another big important thing, too, is that the idea is that these two weeks, by the leadership, hopefully, in the healthcare system, time to get the testing set up and start doing, you know, aggressive tracing of people that have it and who they've come into contact with. Because right now, South Korea doesn't have things shut down. South Korea still has functioning restaurants and a public transportation system, like, Life's normal in South Korea, and they were hit, you know, just like we were. But what they did to get over it was a really extensive testing. They tested everybody, so they figured out who had it and who didn't. And the people who then had it, like, they very extensively traced everybody they came into contact with, which, honestly, people in America probably are going to get kind of iffy about, you know? Like, we're pretty anti-authority out here. But, like, yeah, yeah it's the hardest part. But can, you know, so, it's like, can we deal with that? Can we, like, stop being babies for a moment <laughs> and, like, deal with a real problem? So, so Korea well, is a, up yeah. on the back, way back this up is, after that. Yeah. What were you saying, Jake? It's That's also tough. important to note that Korea jumped on it immediately. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so because they did that, they're actually on the, the curve back up, I guess. And now they're back open and things are kind of moving. Mm-hmm. 
what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So this is beyond, this is, I think, yeah, this is bigger than a lot of people think it is in a lot of ways, not just necessarily in like the whole mortality rate, which obviously has its own risk factors, but there's a couple other things going on here. One, it's a huge test of our economy and whether our government is capable of creating an adequate response Mm -hmm. to like keep people uh employed not necessarily like by the government obviously but but the government propping up the businesses that have to take hits yeah because of this undoubtedly and then uh secondarily like a test of your individual autonomy in a democracy such as the united states where you we're not going to have the government go probably and knock on every door and say you're locked down you're locked down you're locked down because that's not how we function but at the same time you're right nico it's on the sovereignty of each individual to be like hey what's my responsibility in this yeah and if we can all do that then supply chains can stay in effect businesses can get through this and then everyone can move on with their lives but all of those things have to function together one one thing that i have noticed is have you noticed how nobody is talking about petty things anymore on the internet (laughs) that's true yeah yeah Yeah, i'd agree like that has just gone away (laughs) oh did you guys hear how uh, apparently the the tape that kim kardashian leaked about taylor swift was actually a lie turns out she was telling the truth i haven't heard any of that like that that seems just so i mean i yeah that seems to me like so uncouth at the moment to like, yeah it yeah, is to be it's, talking about that I, stuff. I think people are realizing that that stuff's not really important i mean we're all dealing with the virus now worldwide so things like a kardashian headline is less important about getting some information about how we get through this a million you know, people lost their job kardashian in a single day coronavirus <laughs> that i started realizing it could happen to anyone. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the funniest things, like the, the mental leaps that people go through. It's like everybody's told, you know, you should have an emergency fund. You know, I know it, it, not everybody can afford one, so I'm not speaking to the people that are, you know, in that situation. But if you're making money, you've been making money for, you know, a couple of years, ideally you've set aside a little bit to just have some savings, you know. And the whole idea is you should have an emergency fund because at some point in your life you might have an emergency. You might be out of work for two or three weeks. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't need one of those. I won't get hit with an emergency. And then we, everyone got hit with an emergency. The entire world got hit with an emergency. <laughs> and people are still now going in with like, yeah, but I probably won't get sick. It's like, you just got hit with that emergency that you thought would never happen to you. And now you're still applying this mentality of like, yeah, but it still probably won't happen to me. It's like, but it just happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> like things happen. Life happens. You need to be a little bit prepared for the potholes because life isn't always smooth. So and, let me let me yeah. double up on that that statement because now, okay, like what's your what's your responsibility as well an employer, right to people? Yeah, I mean, I believe your responsibility as an employer is to help your employees get through something like this. Like, well, for one, ideally the leadership and then the people that can help with something like this. And this is tricky because I don't like talking about stuff that's in other people's hands when it comes to, like you know issues. You know, I like to think about what I can do, but like ideally the leadership takes this time to get ready 
to then solve the problem once everybody's done with the self-isolation. And like, yeah, we can continue. Like tax cuts for the rich corporations. <laughs> <laughs> like we can continue, you know, let's say corridor resumes in two weeks, right? You know, we can go to corridor. We can make a point of, you know, keeping our distance, washing our hands, wear your masks. You know, if you're going to, if you feel anything at all, wear a mask, etc. You know, it's like be responsible. Don't go to big groups, etc. Like we can take those steps. And with those steps, we will continue to mitigate that curve, that exponential growth. But like, I believe your job as an employer is to, you know, ideally help people through this. Like, yeah, you could make a buck by laying off your employees for two weeks and then rehiring everybody. But that's unless your business is literally on that verge of failing where your cash flow can't handle a two week bump, which once again, you're still in the same situation as anybody else who doesn't have an emergency fund. So that's an irresponsible business owner. Um, you should do the right thing and not try to make an extra buck here. Like, yeah, sure, people might not be coming in for, like, two weeks here, but, like, don't throw them out in the street. But this comes down to that whole civic duty again. It's like, once again, we're not in a dictatorship because we believe that our that individuals in this country should have the knowledge and the intelligence and the education to not just shit on each other, <laughs> you know, and, like, help each other out when it matters and have civic duty when it matters. Like, we have this belief that people have have that amount of responsibility i believe it's true i believe people can pull that off otherwise you know mankind would have never made it through one of the hundreds of you know very threatening things we've been in you know everything from the world wars to various depressions to you know all that kind of stuff you know people do i believe band together but you know i guess we haven't really been faced with a crisis since maybe 2008 and even then i'd argue that 2008 is not as big of a crisis as people talk about it as like it's an economic issue as an economic crisis but it was nothing like a world war you know you didn't have millions of people dying um it's been a long time since like as as a whole you know our our population has had to face a real crisis that requires all all millions of us all 300 million of us here in america for example to band together and do something about it um and because of that you've had people that you know, that's that's when people start complaining about Kim Kardashian because I, I have a, I have a I have a core belief that people need a cause, and when there isn't really any baddie to fight, there's no enemy to crush. Like people start looking for something, they need something to fight and be outraged about. And that's why you have so much outrage culture on the internet right now is because shit's good or was good. You know, it's like that, yeah, life's been good. That's that's not just a belief. That's that's a tr- that's a truth, man. Like that's pe- people we we've evolved to create our little pockets and to be be unified in those pockets and and to move forward mm-hmm. that's how that's how we've evolved like mentally and and physically and biologically and socially mm-hmm. so that's absolutely true um the thing that i think is interesting as well to go off one of the things you were saying is like yeah you you could make a buck in the short term if if you're kind of business and you can say okay guys uh no one's going to get paid for x amount of time and you know we we have the luxury of being an online business primarily so Mm -hmm. we're not going to be as hard hit immediately by this as like say a a physical manufacturing non-essential business Mm -hmm. right but like even if you think that you're winning in the short term if everybody else does that and then all of a sudden there's layoffs and then all this like that eventually comes back around you because the economy is an ecosystem yeah and if it, and if one part of the ecosystem is affected it'll affect two others and so on and so forth until it gets back around to you and i i have no doubt that even though 
in a time where more people are staying home, um, even beyond the initial like self-isolation quarantine thing, um, we're still going to see we're still going to see a hit probably in AdSense and things like that because now companies that were out there spending money are not out there spending money anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually that's going to come around to us as well. And I, I think it's, we're, we're probably on like a, at least a quarterly delay on that because ad, ad money is spent quarterly, but still, I, I, I feel like that's going to happen And hopefully viewership will go up a little bit because more people are staying at home and that'll offset some of the loss in AdSense. But at the same time, um, you know, like. Yeah, you, you have to think about this as in like, you know, if, if your neighbor is working for uh, an airline company and, and an airline company goes under, th- that that's going to affect you mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yeah. It might not affect you tomorrow, but in a, in, a, in a few weeks, in a few months, it will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being, you know, I guess I've always tried to, knowing that Corridor is like a public facing company where, you know, we have cameras in our office and, you know, record the stuff that we do. Like I've always yeah. tried to at least set the example for how I hope other people would run their business. Um, you know, just trying to be public with it. You know, like this is what we do. Like we'll we'll make the changes, we'll make the adjustments. And yeah, it's obviously it's easier for us to work from home than say somebody who works at McDonald's. You can't make McDonald's burgers from home. But like <laughs> yeah. at the same time, it uh, obviously be easier for us to be in the office filming with each other. Like we're not in the podcast studio right now recording this. You know, we had to spend the half hour doing all the tech troubleshooting to get this up and running that we don't have to spend if we would have just done this in the studio. Um, yeah. So but, how do you feel about companies like Walmart and McDonald's who do not have paid sick leave? I mean, I think it's crappy. I think it's not treating people correctly. I think there's a balance, obviously, with everything. You like, there is a cash flow for these restaurants, fast food places, make a certain amount of money every month, and so on and so forth. And obviously, if your expenses are more than your income, then you go bankrupt, and that's the end of that. And pff, goodbye to your business. Like. So there is obviously a balance, but like, you know, at least here at Corridor, we try to have, you know, a certain amount of runway. So if for some reason all ad money just stopped coming in, we'd have a little period of time here to like figure something out. Um, and that's, yeah. that's responsible yeah. business ownership, you know, it's uh, and yes, not every business has that luxury. I totally get that. Once again, I'm not talking about the exceptions. I'm not talking about the small isolated cases. I'm talking about general, you know, workflow, general business, general lifestyle, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it's, but it, it, so it will, it will be, I mean, it's going to be on the government at some point to come up with some sort of, um, stimulus for this, because I don't know what else you do. They're really the only entity that's existent, at least in our society that can, um, that can prop something up like this. I, I was listening to a guy on CNBC this morning and he was talking about how he thinks that this is going to be a $10 trillion bridge to the other side. I don't know. I mean, that might be a little sensationalism, but who knows? Like it, it just comes down to people like you and me, you know, all of us here, people listening to this, it comes down to whether or not we can stop the virus from spreading. <laughs> like, and we, people have done it. Other countries have done it. South Korea's already done it. They've fixed it. They're done. <laughs> like, they got through it without having to spend $10 trillion. So are we, are we smart enough 
to do this without spending $10 million, $10 trillion, or are the we going to- with that comparison though, Nico, is that because I mentioned earlier, like they got onto it like right away when they only had like a few hundred cases, they were already shutting things down. Same with mm-hmm. Japan, you know, they shut down their schools like immediately. We went six and a half, seven weeks before making any sort of action. And in that time it was doubling every two days. Uh, and it's like, even now that we are like starting to like, you know, take these measures to like, stop the spread mm. it's there's already going to be an, an economic impact just because of what the, the the time that it took for us to take action true i don't think we're at the 10 trillion dollar mark yet um you know and honestly i don't think we're at the like two trillion dollar mark yet it comes down to what happens in the next month you two weeks like two weeks of everything just stopping that's not the end of the world we like people can start up again from two weeks three months of everything stopping that gets pretty messy um, you know, and obviously in between there's a gradient, but like, that's the thing is at least right now is not the time to be like, well, I can't do it. It's like, we're going to be doing this more for more than five days. Like we're only five days into like our, you know, or six days into our quarantine. Like it's going to be hard. It's going to take time, but if you do it now, it's better than doing it later. So, you know, so short term versus we, long term rewards and everything. Even when we go back though, like even when we go back to working in groups and stuff, we're going to have to be maintaining still the same protocols. Like right now, you know, at home, we're only going to like, you know, when going to the grocery store and she's getting what she needs and mm-hmm. then she's, she's coming back and we're leaving the kids here and stuff. And it's just kind of one person at a time. Mm-hmm. That's going to have to probably go on for months, I think. Yeah. Once again, it just, it comes down to is, do we have enough, I'm, America's a rich country. Like, are we going to put our resources into having people doing lots of testing and tracing down people who've been, who have it and who they've been exposed to and finding those people and, you know, asking them to be in quarantine? Um, You know, one of the things they do in uh, Singapore that they did before the coronavirus outbreak is sometimes in certain buildings, they would take your temperature. You'd walk inside and they'd have a dude with like a little thermometer with like one of those, like, you know, replaceable ear things and they'd take your temperature. And if you showed that you had a fever, like for any reason, you couldn't go into the building. Um, and that's like, that's an example of one of the things here that you could implement to keep people safe and get through this. But are people going to put up with a two second inconvenience of having, having somebody put something in your ear? Like, I don't know. Some people won't. And it's disappointing that that's yeah. the case, but that's what happens when you don't really have any sort of thing like this ever have happened before to bond people together and establish it in your culture, which is what has happened in, you know, Japan and South Korea and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'll probably pay the price of a million people dead and we'll figure it out from there because that's just kind of how human beings work. Um, <laughs> but that's a little pessimistic. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> it could be a reality too, though. Yeah. How do you feel about the, the ideas being thrown around right now of giving every American a thousand dollars? Or more 2000 i mean it's it's a decent way to get through some of this but like you know it's in conjunction with companies that also make billions of dollars they should be doing their part and also supporting people it's you know i think people misplace a little bit of responsibility on the federal government like why isn't the president doing anything about this it's like well the president isn't in charge of your city and he's not in charge of your state because that's just how the u.s government is structured it's on your your city's government and your state's government to honestly deal with this. And we have 50 different states that are going to all handle it slightly different ways. Um, and the federal government certainly plays a part in it. But like even just leadership of 
you know, if you have health insurance, who's your health insurance provider? Like, where's their leadership in, in this? Where, why are they not sending you emails saying this is what you, this is where you go to get tested? Because they're the companies that should be handling this. And it's just as much like, don't just blame the president because he's a reality TV show guy that's easy to hate. Like, look to the people that should be in charge of these things and expect them to step up to the plate. Your health insurance company should be stepping up to the plate. You know, your doctor's office needs to step up to the plate, and they usually do. But like, that's they're the health professionals. You need to look to them. Companies like Walmart, if they employ millions of people, they need to step up to the plate too. They can't just fire everybody and let it be somebody else's problem. Um, these companies all have social responsibilities. Everybody has social responsibilities. I do. You do. Like we all do as individuals in a society, we have social responsibilities. <clears throat> so yeah, you know, it's got to be something where people make the sacrifices and come together to get through something like this. And the better we handle it now, the the less the impact is. So, yeah. so in a week. Uh, is going to be April 1st, and that'll be rent day for everyone. Yes. And uh, for so many people who have been unable to make money over the last couple of weeks, they're not going to be able to pay rent. So another idea to help kind of solve, or not solve, but to help mitigate part of the crisis is to uh, enact a rent freeze mm-hmm. uh, where no one has to pay rent, corporations or people. Uh, just no rent is transacted. Uh, how do you guys feel about that idea? So how does that affect the landlords and the building opener, you know, owners and things like that? So that's affecting them, right? I mean, there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple things to unpack there. Um, the first, first, there's the there's the individual level, and then there's the then there's the business and 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 real estate level. And so first and foremost, like the 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 the, the, the individual stimulus, right? That that could be functional for a short term as in like here's something right now to to just stop gap an immediate short-term problem but that giving just giving people money solution isn't a long-term solution i don't think by any stretch because what you what the foundation of of wealth and success is creating opportunities that people engage with that then they get money in exchange for that and they participate in those things. And so eventually you, you don't want the businesses to fail because the businesses are the actual foundation of self-sovereignty and the, the money that you need to, to, to have that sovereignty. Um, so I think you, you could do something in the short term that's like, hey guys, here everybody gets, you know, People, people who need to get X amount of dollars right now. But if you just, if that's the policy going forward in the long term, I don't think that's realistic at all because eventually who's going who's gonna to pay that back? People that work at businesses and businesses are going to pay that back. That, that money is going to come back to the American treasury through taxes, which has come through jobs which is going to come through individuals and corporations and, and small businesses that are going to pay those taxes so the, the the bedrock of that is that you need the you you can't let that many businesses fail and so and and then the the, the sort of underlying thing underneath that is real estate like because real estate is the final sort of bedrock of the of the economy in a way because everybody still needs to live somewhere and you cannot avoid that no matter what you do or where you go or how you do it um so i yeah i think you, you kind of need to take it in steps and and like address the worst problems first right you have like self quarantine then if you need to talk about an individual stimulus okay but 
the, the, the longer term solution is making sure that that businesses aren't failing at a massive rate, both big and small. Um, and so, so, yeah. So here's a slightly different question then. Let's say if uh, one of those policies was to go into effect for only one month, let's say the month of April, which is the better option? Everyone gets $1,000 or no one has to pay rent? Ooh, that's a good question. That's like kind of the same thing, to be honest. <laughs> but also, you know, still very distinctly different. Everyone has different amounts of rent. Everyone has different expenses. True, but in the big, like, in the big scheme of things, you know, whether somebody pays fifteen hundred dollars or somebody pays five hundred dollars, like, it still kind of comes out. It kind of comes out to be the same thing. But really, what it boils down to is, you know, we're all frozen for a month, and can we? Yeah, Nico. Oh, I could hear him. I I, I was hearing him. Okay, sorry. There's quarantine. There we go. There we quarantine. go. Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. All, all I was getting at is, I, I think the 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 effect either of those would have is the same. Um, I think, I think giving people a, a bailout for a month is a good idea. Um, you want to know what I actually would do? I would do this. If you test positive for the coronavirus and you voluntarily quarantine yourself in a facility for quarantine. You get paid. That's what I would do. I would pay people who are sick to come in and quarantine themselves for two weeks. Rather than like... Now that incentivizes people to get sick. It's okay. I don't care. <laughs> like, step one, right? We're, we're in the step one phase. Like, if oh, people want to get sick later, fine. We, like, deal with, like, take it away then. But, like, right now, when people are spreading it, there's no social isolation. Like, so this is one of the things that they dealt with, like, in China. Um they penalized people for uh, breaking curfew and for like, you know, breaking quarantine and the fine was a thousand dollars. And they went, wait a minute, let's just give them a thousand dollars if they voluntarily stay in quarantine for two weeks instead. And that totally helped. <laughs> like it totally switched how things worked. And like people, instead of dealing with like prisoners, people going in voluntarily and they're getting tested even when they're not feeling symptoms, just in the hopes that, yeah, they're going to get paid to stay yeah. in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. It's... It also requires proper distribution of testing. Right now, we're not close to that. I mean, these are all issues, one hundred percent. But like, it's just that's one way you can help incentivize the social isolation and the quarantining to happen. Because everybody's saying, "But my job, I got to pay my, I got to pay my rent." And it's like, yes, you do have to pay your rent, and yes, you do have your job. Also, we don't want to kill people, um, and there is a balance. But right now, the balance should be a little bit more heavily on "Don't kill people." Um, but at least in terms of that, like, there's a way to like, hey, here's a reason to isolate and to not go into work if you're sick because, hell, you can get you know your thousand or two thousand bucks. And yeah, like the one percent of people that are scumbags will try to get sick again, you know, or try to get the coronavirus so they can get paid a thousand bucks. But you know what? If you're that desperate, maybe it's for the better that you just go in there and <laughs> get your thousand bucks. You know, it's like. That's once again, it's an isolated case. But I do think, you know, I do think giving people and individuals something to get them through this phase whether it's a rent freeze or you know a stipend or whatever it is i i'd lean towards giving people the money rather than freezing rent um the other thing freezing rent would be easier to implement no i don't because there's a whole lot of different ways that happens if i give you a check for a thousand dollars it's a check for a thousand dollars you know flat that's it you know it's it's very easy to interpret that it's a thousand dollars um versus like it's a freeze on rent. Well, is that a freeze on mortgage? Well, I actually had to deal with this guy where my rent was like this. I pay rent every two months, not one month, so I get one month off. Like, oh, I pay $5,000 in rent. I pay $1,000 in rent. I pay $200 in rent. Like, 
it's all over the place um, for the rent freeze thing. And there's the fact that like, all goes through that all goes through banks eventually. Yeah. And so honestly, right you now, I think that you're avoiding like the the option of giving the big corporations the money. But all that money goes back to those big corporations in the bank in the form of <laughs> banks. So, yeah, besides and, like, not everybody has to pay rent either. So might as well help those people as well. You know, what about the people that have their house paid off, but they're still obviously having to pay the property taxes and make other ends meet? Um, you know, they're in financial trouble too. So, I, you know, I think the first step is, you know, the ballot is good. But, like, the other thing too is that when you start messing with the economy and you start artificially inflating or deflating certain parts of the economy or manipulating supply and demand, you very quickly end up breaking stuff. Um, and it's one thing to give everybody that money bump in their account to get them through a lurch. It's another thing to start telling people like you can't collect checks and you can't collect checks, but you can collect checks, but you can't collect checks. You guys are in a gray area. We don't have enough bureaucracy to deal with you guys yet. So you're in a line. We'll talk to you in a month. Like that's when you start breaking the whole economy around real estate and rental and all that kind of stuff. Um, versus just, like I said, running checks and deal with it in a couple of weeks and figure out the next step. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, you got to also look at like, what is the government good at and what is the government bad at? Um, and certainly like they're a lot better at, at, at writing checks in a very mass produced manner <laughs> than they are at like isolating and, and, uh, and individualizing like corporations and trying to manage that when the corporations have literally been built to be efficient at that. And now there's an entity stepping in and telling them to do it differently. Not to um, mention there's, there's a, a freeze on evictions too. So even if you couldn't pay your rent, what's your landlord going to do? Kick you, like they can't kick you out. <laughs> so, and then like, and if they do like right landlords are businesses too. So it's like, let's say you're in the middle of quarantine, the coronavirus is running everywhere landlord can't take other people in and show them the apartment like <laughs> you know it's like yeah. they're better off just eating it for a month just like everybody else in the freaking world has to and then you can pick it up from where you left off you know yeah i got a handful of friends that have to put their move or their you know next place on hold because no one's showing places and it's a, yep. it's a real thing for sure yeah so <clears throat> all right let's 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 get in more into the nitty-gritty all right. Um, All right. So uh, there was a recent um, bill that was proposed that failed um, that uh, apparently, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but apparently this bill was attempting to um, create, you know, I think it was something like $2 trillion of stimulus. So already we're at that $2, two trillion mark. Yeah, though that um, number gets played up a little bit by the press. A little bit because a okay. lot of that money is just the government offering to like, so the government like buys bonds back from like that's yeah. issued all the time. And this is just them saying, mm -hmm. oh, usually we only buy them back on these deadlines, but we'll just do it all now if you want, in case you need the money. If you're holding one of these bonds, we'll just buy it back now. When in reality, we, you'd have to wait like the two years, but we'll just do it now if you want. And like yeah. that's, they're, that, they're doing like 500 billion or like, you know, whatever. It's a huge amount of money of this. But in reality, they do like 30 to 50 billion of that every day. Like that's just how the money flows. So yeah. they, people like to throw that into the headline to make it sound like, you know, a $2 trillion stimulus package. When in, in reality, it's not quite that, you know, it's more nuanced than that, but it doesn't, right. you know. But, re but regardless, the, the, the basic core tenants, if I understand them correctly, of this bill were to uh, give 
uh, loans to small businesses that mm. uh, would, wouldn't have to pay those back. And then to also give loans to big, big businesses that would eventually have to pay those back. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was shot down. Yeah. The way that I understand it. Yeah. I think they need to be careful with that. You know, it's really easy to get taken advantage of as a taxpayer in the United States because you don't have people lobbying for you in the government. <laughs> um, and so I think it's it's the stimulus thing isn't something that needs to happen today. The stimulus thing can happen in a couple of days. It can happen in a week. It can happen in two weeks, honestly. Like it doesn't need to happen immediately. It's, I think it's more important to do that right because the economic impact of it is gnarly. Much um, longer, yeah. Yeah. The important thing right now is to stop the virus spreading exponentially. Because literally, if you can slow the curve down a little bit, it's a difference. Like, for example, if it, let's say it's doubling every every two days. Well, if you're at 40,000 cases in one day, and then two days later you're at 80,000 cases, and let's say you're already at capacity with the 40,000 cases, like, that's now 40,000 new people that are sick and can't go see the doctor. That's a lot of people to get sick in, like, a day or two days. But if you can if you can stem that just even a day, that's another day before your hospitals get overwhelmed. It's another day to get testing out there. It's another day to get things figured out. And like literally buying us a day like is super valuable when you're dealing with exponential increase because a day makes all the difference in the world. A day is the difference between one million and two million people once you're further down that curve. Um, like that's a lot of people. <laughs> like the problem is you get to numbers that are so big that they become abstracted. Like, I mean, I see people arguing like. Oh, you know, forty thousand people die in car accidents each year. So what's another forty thousand? You know, to the to this coronavirus. It's just like car accidents. It's like that's forty thousand people. <laughs> like it's a big deal if somebody yeah, shoots people. twenty people <laughs> yeah. at a freaking nightclub. Like that's that's a horrible like catastrophe. And everybody's saying, you know, we need to you know take guns away and all that kind of stuff. Like everybody gets worked up about thirty people getting shot. But 40,000 people dying to the coronavirus, and people are like, ah, it's just like car accidents. It's just like the flu. The flu kills 15,000, 20,000 people every year. What's another 40,000? It's just like two flus. It's like, it's weird. It's weird how people work. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. once the numbers get now too big. Are floating out the idea that old people should just accept their fate and die so that I we know. can move on as an economy. That's dark <laughs> like, as hell. What the yeah, hell is wrong with man. people? People not have grandparents. That's, parents, that's coming or... from people that don't realize that they'll someday. Yeah. It's coming from people that don't realize that they'll be old one day. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, my grandpa yeah. had to go to the hospital yesterday for a uh, complication not related to the coronavirus, and it was like, is he going to be able to get the care he needs? Fortunately, uh, it, they were able to perform tests and get him out of the hospital very quickly to reduce his uh, exposure to to the hospital. So that's yeah. great. He's fine. So hopefully, we'll hear back in a day or two what's wrong with him. But yeah, yeah. It's tough stuff. Like yeah, I was saying, this is not a good time to go to the hospital. No, actually, now is an okay time in <laughs> everywhere except for New York City in America. Two, Next two week might not be the case. <laughs> I I heard you tell me the other day that it sounds like the exponential rate of cases is going down. Is that where did you get that? So where did that? What, what was that? I've been looking at. Uh, worldometers.info it tracks basically all the cases in the world but specifically I've been looking at the United States and of course California and New York to some extent because New York uh, has a ton of cases right now yeah they've got 25,000 cases now yeah 5,000 new ones today one fifth of their entire cases were diagnosed today Um, 
you know, I'm sure by the time people listen to this podcast, it's going to be up another 10,000. Crazy. When is this podcast going up? Probably tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I'll get it up tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, World Honors. today, if you're listening, it's up today. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Worldometers has graphs of different uh, different things, and one of these graphs here is uh, the daily cases, which let's see if my webcam can adjust. There you go. Um, so you'll notice, however, and this might be due to people becoming aware of the virus, which would be wonderful if this is how, how it's working. Um, you'll notice that the number of cases today versus yesterday, not that big of a jump. Now the right. day to the day before, a huge jump. Yeah, huge. <laughs> Yep, yeah, so it's been following the exponential curve except for this past day, but it's just a day. It's just one data point. It could be an outlier. Just give it yeah, five there's so days. Many factors. Yeah. yeah, you have to do a best fit curve sort of scenario. It's like, yeah. sure. No, give it five we days. We really don't know yet because if you average it out, it's still exponential. Yeah, and it's, you know. Well, we know it's still going up. We know that much. Yeah, it's still going well, up. If you look at, if you but, look but at the exponential rate itself. Though, yeah. Yeah. As yeah. long as our. The rate of infection is over one. If every person who gets the coronavirus infects 1.000001 people, you're still going to hit an exponential curve. It's just going to take a little while longer. It's still going to spike up to a point where you're getting a million new cases a day. You need to get that rate below one. It needs to be, even if it's 0.999, it just needs to get below one and your curve will stop being exponential. So I feel like as a person who lives in, in a family group, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's damn near impossible if one of the people in this house gets infected. Right. So that's the thing is one of the issues, and when they've solved this once again in South Korea, the issues here in America is that people who are sick have to stay home, and you end up getting your whole family sick, and that's not good. Whereas if we had our shit together as a country, when you get sick, you go to a place, and you spend your quarantine at a place isolated from other people. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why they're starting to take over hotels um, and get them ready for this kind of thing is because – when people get sick, they need to not be at their house with the rest of their family. Right now, we're caught so off guard, and no one's done any work on this. So if you get sick, it's like, ah, go home, and hopefully you don't get the rest of your family sick. But it's probably going to happen, so all you guys just have to deal with it, and hopefully your grandma doesn't die. Like, <laughs> that's what we're right. looking at right now. And people are right. still going out and hanging out with their buddies because it's not going to happen to them. <laughs> Jen and I have a plan. So it's like the moment one of us starts showing symptoms – that person is going to sleep in the other bedroom. Yep, I have my plan too. It's like, if I start still a high risk that we're gonna ha- we're gonna get sick if one of us gets sick, but like at least by doing that, you know, it's it's just it helps mitigate it. Yeah. On top of you know, okay, now we know for a fact that we got to start like sanitizing everything even harder internally within the home because right now we're in a bit of a safety bubble at home because we're not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like I haven't washed my hands in the last hour because I haven't left my desk in the last hour. Ren! <laughs> wash your hands right now speaking of washing yeah. your hands that, that reminds me of one more thing and Rand, you can speak to this if you want to but so mutation right so generally the idea is that if you get the disease you can't get it again well you can get it again if it's a different mutation of it so that's why people can still get the flu year after years because the flu is mutating it to in order to mutate the disease has to infect people so if you're infecting a million people, that's a million chances of mutation. If you're infecting only 1,000 people, that's only 1,000 chances of mutation. So obviously the more people infected means the more mutation. Now, if we want to get a vaccine for this disease, we need to not have it mutate. The way to not have it mutate is to not have it infect 5 million people before you can develop the vaccine. <laughs> so once another reason to stay inside your freaking house 
don't interact with other people unless you have to for some reason to get your food or whatever. Like, isolate yourselves. If somebody else mm-hmm. isn't isolating themselves, put pressure on them. Tell them that they are doing an, an irresponsible thing. Tell people that they need to be safe. We need to stop socializing with everybody for a couple weeks here, and we need to get ahead of this curve. It's, it's just it's important that we all do our part. And it's not just being isolated. It's also telling your friends to be isolated. It's helping to educate people. It's making sure everybody understands that we are on the cusp of either having millions dead or a couple thousand dead. And that is entirely based on these next couple weeks and how people act. Yeah. In the extreme early days of this, uh, so like a week ago, when I, uh, I I was under the impression that like, all right, what if I just get sick now? Like, yeah. assuming I could live and be fine after that, then I'm inoculated. I won't get sick again. And obviously, I'd still take precautions not to infect anyone else. I was thinking that would be a good idea. But then I started hearing cases of people getting sick a second time. Now, since then, I've started hearing kind of conflicting reports. Maybe they weren't getting sick or they were getting pneumonia instead because their immune system was trashed after this. Uh, it's hard to say, but I've also read that apparently the rate of mutation is uh, not that fast for COVID. So that's that's a good thing. That's Well... Actually, it's an RNA-based uh, virus, so its rate of mutation is 100 times that of a DNA-based virus. Um, so it's still somewhat up there. Um, it's not as fast as influenza, because it's not influenza, and that's the other thing. It's not the flu. <laughs> Everybody talks about it like it's just a flu. It's not the flu. Um, but yeah, it's thankfully it's what not. What is a, a, from a subset of a flu, isn't it? I mean, it is. I think the flu is also a, technically a, a coronavirus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's just like the type of like virus. I can't speak to that too closely. I'm not, you know. Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Renu, do you want? Do you mind asking Jenna? <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, uh, Ren's wife is a nurse. Um, and Hi, she Jenna. Currently works at a hospital here in LA. Um, so Jenna, our question for you is, uh, you know, people say like, this is just the flu. Like, is it a flu? Is it a relative of the flu? What, like, does this bear any resemblance? So there is a common coronavirus, which is actually something we test for in our hospital, which is like a cold. And then there's this coronavirus, which is like, everyone's different. Cause I thought the same thing when I first heard about it. I'm like, it's just the flu. Like maybe the flu on steroids. Everyone's affected differently. I think you guys talked about it, how it can be mild symptoms for some people, but the people who get it bad, it's super bad. Like it's basically seems to be from what I've seen in cases like respiratory failure, even in young people. So it can affect hmm. your, well, it can either develop into pneumonia, right? Or, or it can affect your, you can have organ failure. Basically, Hmm. it's kind of what it's eating your lungs is kind of how people described it yeah that's not good <laughs> that's pre-pneumonia that's not pneumonia no so pneumonia is like junk so at the bottom of your lungs i'm gonna or what's called alveoli so like these little like things that help with gas exchange they look like that <laughs> that's where gas exchange occurs and so like when you um get inhale you get your oxygen that's how it's transferred to your blood is through those little alveoli Okay. When you have pneumonia, you have junk in your lungs that's kind of hanging out on top of that so that their gas exchange isn't adequate. And that's why it's like shortness of breath and coughing. So like when people are coughing with pneumonia and stuff's coming out, that's good because it's that junk that's in their lungs 
and is um, preventing that gas exchange. So this isn't a flu. This isn't influenza time, you know. No, no, no. Just um, through the fact that because it's called coronavirus, it's not an influenza. So it has similar symptoms because I don't know if you guys have seen the charts that are like, these are the symptoms of Corona. These are the symptoms of flu. These are the symptoms of like a common cold. And these are the symptoms of allergies. So it just checks the boxes of like coughing, fever, diarrhea is a new one. So it's like, ah, toilet paper, mm. that sort of thing. So <laughs> Corona toilet paper was not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, so how, how is, how is the virus related though? Like at like the actual like family level? Cause you know, like, the Spanish flu, H1N1. It's an influenza. That's like the type of virus where this is coronavirus. Yeah, I guess now we're starting to get and into like really technical detail that I know nothing about. Yeah. That's the blanket family but, that it's in still. Yeah, and like the test for it is called like SARS corona type thing. That's what we're sending out. So it's kind of more related to SARS than hmm. flu. And SARS was a big deal in Asia, at least, you know, 18 it, years ago. It was, but it was one of those things where it's like, it wasn't didn't seem to be as infectious as it did. Like it killed a lot of people, but it didn't infect as many people. Hmm. Right. It's tough stuff. It's uh, thanks for sharing that information with us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Um. So you know, with all that information, it's kind of a gloomy podcast, but I think it's important to put this information out there and. You know what, guys? Let's make knowledge more viral than the coronavirus. Dang, Nico. Let's make knowledge more viral than the coronavirus. woke. I like it. Share share information. Share knowledge. (laughs) Tell people. uh, Spread the knowledge faster than the virus. (laughs) Couple big things. Shall we end this podcast on a lighter note? Yes. It begins with... talk about Half-Life? Because I got one more <laughs> Wait. With the letter X. Jake's got, Jake's got another... All right, well, Jake, little, speed round on Jake's graph. thing. Got a little graph pulled up here. Okay. You know you can, like, screen share. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do it this way because it's janky. All right. These are the these are the top 10 Dow Jones Industrial Average change days. Oh, yes. I've seen those oh, graphs. Yeah. This is today. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry, 11 that's place. 11 and a half percent it's crazy the, the other dates on there are all from the early, late 20s or the, there's one from 87 hmm. uh and then there's there's two from 2008 so if the economic indicators are any indication of what we're about to enter into economically like this is a clear sign that we are we are in a recession as we speak oh yeah definitely and we'll get out of it know. that's the thing we will get out of, of it of course it's yeah no we i mean how I heard somebody say this the other day on a uh on a piece i was watching and he said um it was a storm but every storm has a beginning and an end there it is yep and if you're worried about the economy, just know that in this case, we know exactly why the economy is crashing. <laughs> yeah. And once we yeah, deal hey, with it. at least we know this time. Yeah. And once we, it's dealt with it, it'll come back. We just have to yeah. make it through that. Right. All right. Let's wrap things up on a lighter note here. Let's talk about Half-Life Alex for a moment because nice. Ren and I have been playing it a whole bunch. Christian watched on Node uh, as we did our first impressions. 
that, that, should be out, yeah. that video should be out as you're watching this podcast. Yes. And so the question was, is Half-Life Alex worth buying virtual reality for? <laughs> Ren says yes. Ren says what's yes. The, what's the overall investment we're talking here? Okay, so crash. that's a good that's a good my barrier to entry on this was very low. I do not have a PC VR headset. Uh, even No, I take that back. I have the first two dev kits. I was like super like pioneer edge lord status of like VR back in the day, 2014, when I got my headset. And then like all the commercial headsets came out. They were expensive and I never got them. I did get a PSVR because it was a cheap option and it worked with my PlayStation. I didn't have to upgrade my computer. But when I picked up my computer from the studio over the weekend, we have... Uh, the studio VR headset that was just sitting there. I was like, well, I'm going to borrow this for the time. Did you yeah, say everyone's got it? Never, not everyone's got a $10,000 PC. You don't need a $10,000 headset PC. sitting around. You man. don't need. Yeah. So what are we looking at for computer and headset setup? So, so now if you have a decent computer from the last two years, you should be fine. And VR headsets, I don't know what their availability are. I, I recommend the Rift S because it is the best quality for the price you'll get. But, uh, if you're wanting to get one like right now, your only option very well might be the original Oculus Rift, which is still a good headset. Slightly higher quality build than this, but uh, you know, you have to set up sensors, which is its own. But I was gonna say you don't for the one you have, you don't need sensors. You don't need a big player. Uh, you can basically yeah, like I can play here at my desk, and and yeah, I don't have to set up sensors because the sensors are built into the headset. I mapped out like this little spot right here. And uh, I was able to just play. There's a few weird complications with it that I found kind of annoying just because I'm getting used to modern PC VR. But if I have to give this headset back soon, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm like, I got to get a headset because, yeah. So I, you're I, in. I purchased the game for myself last night, even though I don't own a PC. Yeah, so Ren's <laughs> in for sure. The, uh, so the Rift S is $399, yeah. by the way. I mean, right now you're not going to find one. Yeah, and uh, if you have a computer that's more than a few years old, uh, probably the best thing to upgrade is either your RAM or your graphics card, or and, your hard drive if you don't have an SSD. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, there's there's literally a, a list of things that you can upgrade, but you can buy uh, ready built these for like five hundred, six hundred dollars that are VR ready, quote unquote. Yeah. I would say so you're talking from scratch. You're talking like a thousand dollars. Yeah, from total scratch. Um, I would say like, what's that? But with that, you now get an incredible experience, and you get a nice PC. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you can only play VR games, but yeah, it's not like you only have to play VR. <laughs> if you have a computer and it's just okay, you probably need to get a new GPU. If it's if your GPU is older than like a 980 or 970, then you'll probably need a new GPU. Um, but so let's say two to three hundred bucks for a GPU and four hundred dollars for your VR headset. So let's say you're looking at seven hundred dollars all in, because most people have a computer. So let's just say you need a new GPU and that's it. Christian, if you had to spend seven hundred dollars to play Half Life, Alex, would you? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, see that that's a that's a hefty price tag because it's it's super cool. I mean, again, I've never played Half Life or VR. How about just, just the that... headset? Just the headset, four hundred dollars. And of course, oh, you have yeah. a VR headset, so you can do other VR stuff. That's what I'm too. saying. Then I can go into VR Skyrim and Boneworks or you know zombies. Uh, Beat yeah, no, uh, yeah, Beat Saber. I, I'm 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 getting the itch. It's it's coming for sure. Um, after watching you play, just see, I was I was definitely waiting on VR to make sure. You know, I didn't want it to be blocks and pixels. Like if I'm gonna go in and invest <laughs> into 
headset. I want it to be, you know, triple A quality. And I think watching Half-Life yesterday was the first real viewing I've seen of that level of VR that's got me interested. Cool. It's, yeah. Half-Life Alex is great. Um, if you guys ever get the chance, you should play it. It's Half-Life straight up. Um, the mechanics are really smooth. Yeah. And it, you know, it feels like I never, it feels like they never stopped making games. <laughs> like it's just, it picks right up like where the other Half-Life's left off. And it's like, you're right back in the world. And like the art styles there and the environment and atmosphere was, is there. I was surprised by the level of detail they put into their dead bodies faces yeah <laughs> they were so realistic looking dead people and they're just dead bodies lying around <laughs> yeah well there's a thing with like it seems like for a pc game to be truly a classic it needs to have like a certain type of gore like pc games have a very special type of gore like quake had it doom had it half-life had it you know it's like that weird low res like painted gore that's like way over the top on characters like and they've brought that back for Half-Life Alex. It's the weird, over-the-top PC graphics gore <laughs> where it's like, you know, spines fall out of the guys and they blow up. Um, it's just, it's great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have been playing Doom Eternal and it oh, is great. gory and heavy and it's so good. <laughs> oh, Doom Eternal is wonderful. What a good game. Yeah. Um, last thing, guys, if you uh, are in the webcam market, um, good on you, because uh, I don't know if you've tried to buy a webcam anywhere <laughs> over the last few days. They are all out. They're all gone. <laughs> Everyone bought every single one of them that la- left on the internet everywhere. I-, I-, I searched for two days to try to find a webcam before I eventually got in my truck and drove to the studio and got another one this morning because yeah what the heck <laughs> like what am i supposed to do <laughs> They're gone. yeah yeah i mean amazon prime's on a delay i mean all things definitely changed yep so yeah i think we should change businesses and get cam <laughs> webcams yeah <clears throat> all right well guys it's a good podcast. I know it's a bit of a downer one, but the whole idea is that if we're on this now, then it won't be a downer in the future, and we can make some good things happen. So do your part. Be a good human being. Help encourage others to do the same. Share the knowledge. Um, we promise not everything we talk about in the podcast is going to be this. Uh, in fact, we want to make a point of releasing entertainment for you guys throughout this quarantine to help you stay isolated. And have a good time while doing so. So pick up a cool hobby. Maybe learn an instrument. We'll keep making some cool videos for all of you. And we'll see you guys in the next podcast. That's right. <laughs> hey, it's Christian there for it one is. last moment. I'm just coming in for the sign-off. You're going to deal with that, the whole thing. So I'm coming in for the sign-off. <laughs> all right. So long, everybody. <laughs>